Hey everyone, welcome back to the Freshly Squeezed podcast. This week we have an inspiration, a mentor of mine, um, an actual superhero named Tom Robbins, and we'll learn about why his life is so worth knowing about and why he inspires so many. And he's just a leader and his life speaks Jesus and his life speaks um, God's story louder than words. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Tom. It's good to be here. But yeah, let's start by hearing about who you are. Um, yeah, just give us a uh, synopsis of maybe starting, I don't even know like where you were born, um, where you're from. Yeah. I was born in uh, Rome, Georgia. Okay. My parents lived in Huntsville, Alabama. My mother... Uh, Wanted to give her first child birth in the town she grew up in. So they drove when she went into labor to Rome, Georgia, and I was born wow. there. Oh, wow. And then they went back home to Huntsville, Alabama, and that's where I grew up hmm. and went to school. I uh, became an attorney, practiced mm-hmm. law in Huntsville for six years. While I was practicing law, I had the great joy and and that's a difficult word mm. it, it, by using word joy, getting something out of life from representing um, social workers in civil child abuse litigation. I tried mm. hundreds of cases involving the removal of children from their homes, permanent and temporary custody cases. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, cases I had that dramatically changed the path of my life in those early years involved a little girl about five years old who had been um, abused by her mother's boyfriend. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Mm. And when you have those kind of trials, uh, the child sits with you uh, and then the social worker sits with you and the three of us are in a courtroom. It's closed. No one can come in. Those kind of files are kept secret. We had a trial that lasted most of a day about what had happened in this home. When it was over, the mother was uh, furious. She was angry. She stormed out of the courtroom and went off down to the elevator. The uh, little girl was with the social worker, and we were walking out and trying to keep them separate. But this little girl, she was about five. She uh, saw her mother and, and broke the hold that the social worker had on her ran down the hall. We're watching all this. And she runs up to her mother crying and says, mommy, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Just crying. And just Mm -hmm. the mother, when the elevator opened, uh, took her daughter and threw her down, Mm -hmm. said a few cuss words and got on the elevator and stormed off. Of course, we ran down the hall of this courtroom courthouse and we picked up the little girl and set her on a courthouse bench She's crying. Her mother's, you know, pushed her down and cussed her. And we're trying to comfort the little girl. And she's just crying, crying, crying. And she looked up at me. And uh, she's just a young thing. And she didn't know my name. She had some comprehension that I had been doing something in the courtroom Mm -hmm. for her. And she asked me uh, a question that, that really changed who I was and what I wanted to do in life. And she said, Mr. Does anyone really love me? And I looked at her and I, you know, here I am a lawyer and 
I ask questions all the time, and I'm getting asked this question from a five-year-old, and I was unable to answer her because I knew if I told her that I loved her, I would have to prove it. Mm. And I wasn't really sure if I was ready to prove it because I could tell her, oh, yeah, 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 you know, people love her and tell her goodbye, and she'd go on and have relied on that. Mm-hmm. So once uh, she was gone and I realized that I had not answered her, I went through a real deep catharsis of my soul and exploration of my inner person. And why it was it as a young lawyer, I was unable to answer that little girl beyond just representing her. And um, it wasn't long after that I decided to go to seminary. And so I went to a seminary in, out in Texas Uh, at the age of 32 Mm -hmm. to 35, and my thought was that maybe I could find ways that we could demonstrate uh, our love for kids and youth who were in these abusive situations through through ministry. Mm -hmm. I remain an attorney. I still am. Mm -hmm. But uh, my goal was to, uh, to be able to take it and make it more intimate. Yeah. As an attorney representing the kids, there are certain boundaries you you just had to be careful about. But she changed my life. I I think about her all the time right now. Hmm. Today she would be 42. Wow. And I I uh there was a point in time where I did try to go back and find her to see how her life went and I never could. And so God kind of told me that she could be a he, hmm. she could be old, she could be young, that people all over the world that we meet, we have to be there in the moment enough to see if they're asking, does anybody really love me? Mm. So I became a pastor and a lawyer. I I know that doesn't sound right, (laughs) but that's what I am and have been for a long time. Wow. Yeah. And I remember hearing that story for the first time years ago. I make sure I tell that every yeah. <laughs> every chance I get that someone who had been abused that I couldn't answer actually made a profound difference in my life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. And, and you can't ever tell that person. You don't. It's kind of an odd little conundrum you're in. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk with Jacob and we wanted to respond to um, the world's posture towards 2020 right now. Because I think right now, um, it's just become kind of a trend to blame 2020 for all our problems and like um, to look back negatively with only negativity towards last year, as if that because the last number on the date changed that it's all over. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) So um, I'm excited to hear more of your story as we go on and have that inform um, today's topic. Um, So let's hear a little bit more about what you do today. Um, And I I met you through Camp in the Community. um, And we share a few things in common. Camp in the Community, you're the chairman of the board. Or you're still the chairman of the board. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I met you because I came to where you do ministry in Deer Lodge, Tennessee, Morgan, Morgan County. County. Yep. Um, and the first year ever, Camden Community's maiden voyage to Deer Lodge. Um, 
you also are an avid outdoorsman. So yes, let's kind of wrap all that question into hearing about camp and the outdoors and how you're involved with all that. When I decided to uh, retire as an attorney, that would be the focus of my life. I studied all of the uh, counties uh, in the Houston Conference of the United Methodist Church, and I looked at them for statistics about children in poverty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, told our bishop or the person that represented me to the bishop uh, three counties that I was willing to go to, and it was because those three counties in East Tennessee have a significant number of children actually living in poverty. And that's how I ended up in Morgan County. Uh, it has uh, a large number of children in poverty, but it also has great ministries there. The Morgan Scott Project uh, really focuses on people in poverty in both Morgan and Scott counties. So I went there. Um, it's a When I first went, it was a very... Um, disturbing to me. I have been pretty much a city person mm. all of my life and have not been out in the country like that. And there was um, uh, a lot of uh, dislike I sensed, not from the people in my church, but in the county for people that were not like them. Mm. So it could be the color of your skin, or it could be that you're an outsider, mm-hmm. or things like that. And, and it was kind of uh, difficult for me because I went to help children in poverty, mm-hmm. but I was quickly awakened to the reality that there's a poverty that's not defined by money. Mm-hmm. It's a poverty of the mind mm-hmm. where people are, are poor because they, they don't think in an enlightened way. They don't see people as being children of God. They see a person as being a black man mm-hmm. or a white man, mm-hmm. a city person or a, a rural person. They, they see women very differently than I do. I, I'm married to a very strong, awesome female mm-hmm. who's done very well in life. And, and uh, in many of the churches around where we are, females have no role. Mm-hmm. And, and so I stayed because of the poverty of the mind that, that the only way you can... i give you a good example. I was uh, handing out Bible school invitations one day, and I came to this house, and it had a Confederate flag in the front yard, Confederate curtains mm. on the windows. And when I went up to the uh, door, it had a Confederate flag welcome mat. And it was kind of a mobile home. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going here. I I just couldn't hardly stand being there. Mm -hmm. So I got in my car and I drove off and it was about a mile later. It's like God slammed the brakes on my car. God said, Tom, I didn't send you there for the daddy. Mm -hmm. I sent you there for his child. Mm -hmm. So I turned around. I went back. This guy answered the door. It was one of the scariest people I'd ever seen. He had tattoos that I can't, I'm not going, I mean, it just, he had his t-shirt on and he was a scary dude and he was holding a little girl and I went, oh God, I get this, I get it, it's this little girl. And so I handed them a, uh, a Bible school invitation and lo and behold, he, he brought his little girl every night to Bible school. And I was learning from God at that moment that sometimes to change an attitude, you have to become a part of their life. Mm-hmm. 
you have to engage with them without first condemning them. Mm -hmm. And he turned out to be a really good guy. But if I had gone by all the exterior stuff I saw, um, it up to, if it's up to me, I was driving away. But sometimes to change lives, you have to become embedded in their lives. And that's very hard to do. It would have been easier for me just to go and help kids in poverty. So uh, in that rural context, I really got to enjoy being um, in, in places where there weren't lots of people. And then a few years ago, I found out I had cancer uh, and surgery, major surgery didn't work, radiation didn't work. And uh, I had always wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. So uh, three years ago, I didn't know when I was going to die or live. Mm -hmm. We didn't know. And I started uh, the process of hiking the Appalachian Trail in about four to 500-mile sections. And so that's how I got all caught up in being out in Morgan County and then hiking on the trail. And that's what I do right now, and I've been doing that for several years. Yeah. And... Um... Where are you in that full journey? How many miles have you done? How well, many I'm quite excited that in 2020, I, I, I crossed the halfway mark. It's 2,192 miles. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that goes all the way from Maine to Springer Mountain, Georgia. And I started in Maine, so I'm mm -hmm. going south. Gotcha. But I have uh, done 1,282 miles. So I have less than 1,000 miles to go. Wow. And I've averaged about 420 miles a year. And I've done all of New England, uh, most of Pennsylvania, and I'm just making my way south. Gotcha. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. And I uh, really enjoy uh, the hike. It really helps me. In fact, when, when we talk about one of the things that, you know, we can do about COVID and where we are, it's, um, I'll share a few things on that, but it's been very helpful to me. When uh, about camp in the community and the Morgan Scott Project, I was called uh, and asked whether or not an African-American person could come to Morgan County because the person who called me, I won't say who it was, said that they'd heard that it was kind of a prejudiced place. Mm. I said, well, it doesn't matter to me, send someone mm. because they'll never know uh, that they're just like us Mm -hmm. white people, mm -hmm. uh, unless they get to know someone. Yeah. And you were the one they got to know. And to this day, I have kids, they're now teenagers who, who talk about you mm -hmm. and how much they love you and what you mean to them. So you made a big difference there. Yeah, absolutely. You change the children. You that's might awesome. just change the mom and dad. <laughs> that's, that's what yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. And they absolutely mean a lot to me too, and have shaped my perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, going to camp in in the community, um, well, that year I was working for Wesley Woods. Um, I don't think it even, like, crossed my mind when I got in the van where we were going. I just, those, in those days, I just got in the van and went wherever I was being sent. And I just remember, <laughs> um, I didn't really have any fear. I just remember... Uh, getting out of the, or getting out of the van when we got there. And my director or, or my site director at the time was like, uh, Hey Brooks, stay in the van. <laughs> and, he like, <laughs> and he was like, and then he like gave me a talk, you know? And I was like, Oh, that, this is what's happening. Yes. All right. Let's, let's do it. You know, let's do camp here. 
Um, there wasn't really any fear. Um, but I went back two more years and, um, I remember just like crying my eyes out the last morning, the last morning watch singing with the kids. And it was like a great moment. Them singing their hearts out. They and, were. Um, some very moving moments that followed there as well. Um, but we can, if those things pop up, we can talk about them more. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing as much as you've done already. Um, your, your story adds so much context to our discussion. Yeah, I love hearing your I love hearing your wisdom on and how you talk about things. I uh I was wondering if you when you go hiking, I'm assuming you go by yourself. Yes, I do. My wife doesn't like it, but I go by myself. <laughs> I had my nephew went with me last year for about 80 miles. Okay. Uh, and this year a retired pastor and I hiked together for about 100 miles, but oh, I, awesome. uh, I go I leave and go by myself and I love it. You uh wow. You meet so many amazing people. I have met people that have really uh, helped shape me to walk closer to God. Mm. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, just love to hear uh, like one of your favorite stories from from hiking. Well, I'll tell you my favorite story from this year. Okay, all right? and then I have a favorite favorite story I can tell you at the end. But my favorite story from this year is is very interesting. It was I was hiking. I was not hiking in a, you know, from north to south 400 miles this year. I was hiking parts of the trail in areas where COVID was not very active. And so I would wait when I was going and I'd go, okay, well, I'm going to run off over here. So I hiked some in Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, and in uh, Pennsylvania. And it rained a lot. Mm -hmm. It rained all the time. When uh, I was staying at a place called Uncle Johnny's and Nola Chucky <laughs> on the Nola Chucky River. I don't I don't know if I said it right, but it's it's a cool river and okay. and Uncle Johnny's is a pretty cool place. And I met some nice people there, but it was raining so bad one day mm -hmm. that sometimes what you do is you'll slack pack, that is you don't take your full pack. Mm -hmm. You'll take a day pack and you'll have them drop you off at a place that's maybe twenty miles away mm -hmm. and then you hike back in. And so that's what I was doing that day because the rain was just constant. It was just crazy. And I said, all right, I'm not getting out in my tent and all that. And I did a slack pack. So the young man drove me. He was in his early 30s. And as, as we were talking and he was driving me there, I found out that he had hiked the Appalachian Trail through hiked it several years ago and that his name was Columbo. And he was called Columbo because he, he every day, uh, when he was a young boy, he would watch Columbo with his grandfather. Hmm. And his grandfather, I think, had just passed away prior to him hiking. Hmm. And so he called himself Columbo. And as we were walking in, he I mean, as we were driving in, he began to tell me that he, uh, that, that he was having problems. He heard I was a pastor uh, hmm. with a, he thought he had cancer, throat cancer. His father had died, died of esophageal cancer, so he quit smoking but he still had this sharp pain in his throat and that he was going to have a biopsy real soon. Mm. So I shared with him about my journey with cancer. And as I was getting out of the car, he said, wait, I want to give you something. And he gave me a, a bracelet or a, you know, hand thing you can put on your arm, handband, you know, it said mm -hmm. Columbo. And he said, this is my view of life. He said, uh, and on it, his theme was embrace the suck. <laughs> 
And so when he was hiking on the Appalachian Trail, he said it just sucked, man. I mean, it's just, it is. There are moments it just, it is awful. You're just tired. You're, you're hungry. You're dirty. You smell awful. You're just, you're wet and it's cold and it just sucks, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, well, thank you, man. And I, I took it and put it in my backpack and, and I was hiking alone and I only saw one person hiking that day. It was a young lady, by a young lady. I mean, she was probably in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Her name was Tida. And of course, it's pouring down rain, and we cross each other on the trail. And so we stop because I've not seen anyone, and she's not seen anyone, and it's pouring down rain. And we start talking to each other, and I learn fairly quickly that she has almost the same kind of cancer I do, but only as females have it. Wow. And she said she didn't tell many people that. And so I told her that I, I had this, and she says, Well, I have the exact same thing, but it's wow. only for females. And I said, Really? And she's. And she so she just took her pack off and started talking. Her name was Tada, and and she had to, and she told me, and this really moved me. She said, "I, uh, I'll tell you this, and I've not told anybody else this." She says, "But uh, the chemo I'm on was so bad that I have made a decision to go for quality of life." Hmm. Well, I had chill bumps because I knew what that means. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh my!" And she says, "Yes, I, I'm no longer taking it, and I'm just going to hike." the Appalachian Trail, and I realized I may die while I'm doing it. Wow. And I looked at her, and she had a smile on her face. She had made a decision to stop her chemo, had hiked hundreds of miles, and here it was on a day that it's just pouring down rain. And she's hiking because she wants to get to the end before she dies. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her, and I said, you don't know hearing that what it means to me because I don't know if I would have the courage to choose quality of life mm-hmm. over just living. Mm-hmm. And when I heard myself say that, I went, oh, my gosh, why am I not already just choosing quality of life over just living, mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. just living? Mm-hmm. So she says, and, you know, sometimes it really sucks. And I went, whoa, <laughs> whoa, hold on. I said, what did you just say? She says, it just really sucks. And I said, I have something for you. I have something for you. And I went digging through my pack and I'm in this getting soaking wet and the water's dripping and she's waiting. And I said, look, look. And I found that black bracelet that Colombo had given me. And I said, Colombo gave this to me this morning. And it says, embrace the suck. <laughs> and she said, I love it. I love it. And she had it on her. And when I, and when she walked off, I saw her wearing Colombo's thing. So, mm-hmm. Wow. I get to where Columbo's going to meet me. Mm-hmm. Columbo's there, and I said, Columbo, let me tell you what happened today. And, and he just got real quiet. He got very quiet, and he wouldn't talk. And I said, I thought he would like this. I, I thought he would really enjoy knowing that that bracelet got to someone who is trying to finish this trail before she dies. Mm-hmm. And he said nothing, all the way back. And so at the end, I said, well, Columbo, could you possibly get me another one of those bracelets? And he said, I, 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 uh, I will give me your address. And that was it. So I said, okay, I guess I heard his feelings. I got the most beautiful letter a week later from him. And he says, I want to tell you that I was trying not to cry in the car because I thought I was a macho man. He says, but knowing that that woman is wearing my bracelet has changed my life. And he wow. said, I realized that I needed to encounter God. Wow. And you helped me. 
and he sent me several. And that's just happenstance on the trail. Yeah. So the good news of that, this account is that when he, uh, when his biopsy came, I called him. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, Clumbo, what's the word? And he said, I don't have cancer. Wow. Satellite. That's my name is Satellite on the trail. And he said, Satellite, I don't have cancer. Thank you. <laughs> that was just from this year. One That's day, so cool. rainy day. Wow. Man. That is That's such an amazing story. story. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I didn't even yeah. make it up. And Dude. I couldn't understand. I thought I'd hurt the guy. And he says, I'm so sorry I didn't talk. I just couldn't talk. He said, I didn't yeah. want to cry. I didn't want you to think I was some kind of a, you know, wimp. And mm-hmm. I said, Dude, man, I was out there crying in the rain with her, <laughs> but she couldn't tell it because yeah. I just she so inspired me that mm-hmm. who would want to define their quality of life by hiking the AT in the rain? Mm-hmm. But she found peace in it and just remarkable tie-dye. Yeah, I'll never forget her. Good person. Kind of a motto I've embraced is uh, thriving in the chaos. Yes, I kind of say it to pick on my coworkers at. Cause I work at river sports and, um, it can get very chaotic. I feel like you have to become a professional multitasker because mm-hmm. you can be on the phone with somebody checking somebody out at the register and working with somebody in backpacks all at the same time. Wow. And when I see my friends like getting stressed, I'm like, are you thriving in the chaos? <laughs> well, we could call it embrace the chaos or thrive in the chaos. The same idea mm-hmm. or embrace the suck. Well, embrace the suck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes sense. You can't, you're there. It sucks. Just get through it, man. Mm-hmm. Or ma'am, ma'am, whichever way it is, get through it. Real quick, before we go into our main section, how right. did you get your trail name? Satellite. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, a lot of people, when they hike on the AT, everybody gets a trail name. And the best way to get it is that you are given it mm-hmm. by others. A lot of people select their own, but I decided not to select my own. I'd be given it. Because I had just uh, been through radiation, mm-hmm. uh, which helped control my cancer but did not cure it. And I was uh, one of the side effects of all of the medicine I was taking was that you're, for men, particularly guys over 60 like me, mm-hmm. your bones get brittle. Mm-hmm. So my wife was not going to let me hike the Appalachian Trail unless I carried a GPS device <laughs> that allowed her to send me messages. Not one like this, you know, some of them where it, it just sends out an alarm. She uh-huh. wanted to be able to communicate with me. Uh-huh. And so I got a very expensive one. It cost me like, you know, $900. Yeah. Wow. And it was like a hundred dollars a month to activate it and keep wow. it active. But I had this, I had the best <laughs> and it weighed a lot and I didn't want to carry it. Uh-huh. And so I, at the beginning of my hike, I'm going through what's called, after you summit Mount Katahdin, you then go through going south, the 100-mile wilderness, mm-hmm. which everybody, like, oh, it's the 100-mile wilderness. There's no uh, places to get food. It's, there's no roads, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's 100 miles. And I had, it rained every day in the 100-mile wilderness while I was there. And I kept sending messages but heard nothing from her, kept sending messages and heard nothing from her. And finally, I got to this really famous place called White House Landing, and you call them on a radio. Mm-hmm. It's on a lake in Maine, and wow. they come in a boat and pick you up and take you to the hostel. Oh, that's and awesome. so I was like, oh, man, I've made it to here. And I'd given my wife a list of places I might go. And so when I called the guy, he said, uh, what's your name? And I didn't have a trail name at that time. And I said, it's Tom Robbins. He said, Tom Robbins? And I said, yes, sir. He said, from from Tennessee, I said, yes, sir. He said, oh, my gosh, dude, 
I better come get you. Your wife is looking for you. And I said, what? He said, yeah, man. She has called everybody in the national parks. She hasn't heard from you. And she called here asking if you'd stop by here. She was so worried. She thought you were dead. Wow. I said, oh, no. So I got there and called her. Well, it turns out that this satellite device, you have to have a clear sky. And I thought that meant that you, you couldn't send the signals from under trees mm-hmm. or anything. Well, it meant the sky had to be clear. Wow. No rain. No wow. clouds. <laughs> so my wife had not heard from me in five days and really was panicked. Mm-hmm. And so when I left White House Landing, uh, the first place I stayed at had a bunch of older guys like me there. And they watched me. I had that satellite device, and I had to put it out in the middle of the creek on a rock. <laughs> and I kept going out there checking it. And they said, what are you doing, man? I said, I have got to be sure that my wife gets this message <laughs> that I'm okay or she's going to call all the National Park people again. It's embarrassing. And after about 12 trips out there, one of them started hollering, hey, Satellite, Satellite, come on back here. And they, they named me Satellite because I was carrying that big device that didn't work. Wow. So that's how I got the name Satellite. That's so and I like it because it's kinda, it was kind of what my mind was doing at the time. I really needed to kind of get up above the world, mm-hmm. get out of it, and take a look at the bigger picture. And so I, I took it with pride. Satellite. Wow. Um, that's really funny because it reminds me of, um, like, in the movies, like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Does somebody have a satellite phone? Like, <laughs> but well, I'm think- not going to tell you what kind it was. It costs a lot of money. But you know what? It doesn't. I've learned now it's just better to get to a mountaintop and send her a text message. There you go. Whenever I can get through. So you think you'd think if you spent that much money on it, it would work no. with clouds. You no know? clouds. And it rained, rained, rained. I mean, for days. So I just never got out. And she got so worried. She's calling the, the national parks, the state parks, and every place I put on my list, I was going to stay. Wow. <laughs> that's like something out of a movie so wow. this person you're tom robbins yeah no it scared me down like well, yeah and he said from tennessee i said okay now this is really strange <laughs> uh-oh is somebody after me what have i done you know wow and so his wife uh, was awesome she said stand right there before you even go to your hostel room she said i'm getting your picture and i'm sending it to your wife right now so <laughs> she sent my wife a picture on her cell phone <laughs> that's so cool um yeah I, I i figured we start on the uh or move on to the topic of of 2020 and how to view that i know a lot of people are losing their minds uh something me and my wife have been talking about is how much um we see on social media everyone is just blaming 2020 for everything and it's almost become like a joke or like the thing to do to to hop on that train of of um, negativity really is what it is. And it's kind of, um, disheartening for me at least, but, um, we wanted to see, we were wanting to see what your view was and what you thought a good perspective to hold, um, kind of a kingdom perspective, a, a, a Christ-like perspective to view 2020. I think that 2020, uh, has been hard, and I'll acknowledge that it's been it's yeah. been not so much depressing to me, but there's been a lot of frustrations with how do you do ministry when you can't really be with the people, mm. and that's a struggle on on how do we think of ministry when there are barriers to a more personal contact with people. So the first thing I went through, and I've had two kinds of revelations during this that have really helped me. 
uh, in Psalms 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Hmm. And I have really tried to help my churches understand that if, if we come out on the other side of this and we have not taken a moment, this moment, to be still, mm-hmm. because we have yeah. this opportunity to be still, it's going to be okay if we're still because we have you know, social distancing and other restrictions that we're following. And so it could be an opportunity for us to really be still, to get away from the noise, and and know that I am God. Mm. I feel that in our world and in the current generation, we have gotten so busy with so many things and so many things opportunities to consume our time that we really don't just sit down and listen to God speak to us. I'm a person that believes that God is always speaking to every person. He speaks to us through the events of our life. He speaks to us through friends in our life, loved ones like Jacob's wife, my wife. God is always working to speak to you and me to bring us closer to to His love and our ability to share it. So if people get to the other side and go, whoo, I'm glad all that you know terrible stuff is over, and they haven't had some moment where they can hear God, then I think they've missed an incredible opportunity. I also think that we ought to look at this as an opportunity I don't know about y'all, but um, because I'm in a bubble of just a few people mm-hmm. where, you know, I wear my mask all the time and things like that. But in that bubble, I, my wife will tell you that she thinks this has been probably one of the, we've been married 40 years, that this has been one of our better years mm-hmm. because we have been kind of stuck together. <laughs> And you can either get upset at each other or you can get frustrated with each other, but we just kind of hang out and enjoy being together mm. in ways that we haven't in years, both of us being in ministry, just to have the moment to be able to be together and appreciate the people you love, appreciate the opportunity we have to, to strengthen our most precious connections mm-hmm. in this world. It, 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 it's a wonderful thing. And I think we can focus on all the negativity of it, which I fall prey to that a lot. I get frustrated a lot with some of the things. But on the other hand, I, I realize that, uh, you know, Romans 8, can I read that? Am I allowed to? Yeah, I'm going to read what yeah. Romans 8, 8.28 says. It says, and we know that in all things, that means everything, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So this is how I interpret that. God says, if you simply love me, and you're trying to to do what I'm asking you to do in your life, for me to be a pastor, or whatever God's asking anyone to do, if you love me and you're making an effort at it, he says he can take anything that comes our way, and he can work it to our ultimate good. Now, the problem that a lot of Christians have is this. Oh, that means that God's going to make my life good all the time and that he's going to take good things and make it even better. That's not what it's saying. There is nothing in this world that can happen to you or to me that God cannot turn into something good 
in the bigger picture of our lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't believe God caused COVID, yeah. but I truly believe that God can take what we're experiencing in COVID to mold and to shape us to be better in the future mm-hmm. and the long-term running of life. And mm-hmm. so for me, what do I have to do? When I examine myself in accordance like with Psalms 46.10, and I'm just still, and it's, it's hard for me to be still. And probably for everybody that's listening, we'll all mm-hmm. be honest, it's really hard to be still, still. But to be still and to listen to God and to understand that if I choose to love God and if I choose to do the best I can with what I think He's calling me to do, He'll take even this negative moment in, 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 the, in world history mm-hmm. and He can bring something good from it. So I think that that we should, yes, deal with the frustrations, but also understand that this is an opportunity for all of us to draw closer to God and to and, and to watch as God can turn something fairly negative into something really amazing. And I'll just take the, the experience I've had on the Appalachian Trail. I had cancer that could not be cured. It's still with me. It's under control. Thank God. I'll take control if I can't get cure. And I decided to go hiking on the AT. And my life is being radically changed every year by the things I learn out there, by the people I meet who are having similar struggles. And joy has come out of that. So he's taken something that wasn't very good, really. I didn't want it. And he's, I, can, I can see how God is in the bigger picture helping me be a positive influence in some lives and how others to be a positive influence in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think if all of us would just take a minute or two and just be still and listen to God, it would change the world. Mm-hmm. But we, we naturally want to complain before we listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just how I've been taking it. And, and I feel our generation, my generation's one ahead of yours. But really, when we think about it, uh, when you hear other people on the TVs and all of their programs, they're talking about how this is the worst health crisis we've been through in 100 years, 100 years. We are going through something that that only happens every 100 years. Yeah. And we need to understand that this is not the regular course of life. And, you know, when you're going through something difficult, it's like being in the crucible. It's a test of our character. It's a test of who we are and what we're made of. And hardship and struggle builds character. Mm. You know, no one is guaranteed that they're going to have a life with no challenges. Look at Jesus Christ. He was challenged everywhere he went. He ended up being rejected by the world. He went up on a cross. You know, from the world point of view, is an utter failure. But God had a bigger plan, mm-hmm. a much bigger plan that God understood And I think it's important for our generation uh, as we go through this challenge to to say, okay, it's here. How can we make a difference? How can we change things? How can we grow in this to become better people? I mean, just look at our country right now. Mm -hmm. It's it's absolutely. I am embarrassed to be an American Christian. Mm. It does not look like a Christian nation to me right now. Yeah. The hatred, the uh, selfishness, the uh, just 
look at the poor lines of people just waiting to get a vaccine, mm -hmm. and then there's none there. I mean, we are living in a time where people who are loved by God and who love God mm -hmm. have an opportunity to share love in a way that hasn't existed in a long time. Yeah. And that's what we could waste, this opportunity yeah. to show that God is truly a God of love. Next week on the Freshly Squeezed podcast. He goes, don't worry, satellite. I've promised uh, Josh, that's my nephew, I'm going to hike the rest of this trail with you every mile. <laughs> well, <laughs> there was no way I wanted to hike the rest of the trail. I mean, one day we're hiking down the trail, and we're going south, and, I and he'd left early in the morning, and all of a sudden we see walking spirit coming back toward us. And Josh and I go, hey, dude, what are you doing? He says, well, y'all are going the wrong way. And we said, no, we're not. You're going the wrong way. Thank you all so much for joining us at Freshly Squeezed today and listening to this episode with Tom Robbins. Um, this is why I love doing this podcast. It gives me the opportunity to hear someone's story or perspective that I wouldn't normally get to hear. And hearing about Tom's life and his wisdom that he's soaked in over the years was, at least for me, really rewarding and encouraging. It definitely made me do some soul searching and search my own heart, make sure that I'm actually experiencing true life, making sure that I'm listening to the Holy Spirit when he's prompting or nudging me. You know, I don't want to be too busy with my own agenda or will that I don't listen and stop to hear what God is trying to do through me or around me. Next week, we're actually continuing this conversation with Tom and moving our discussion from 2020 over to 2021. We're going to look at how to move forward with wisdom and anticipation that God is in everything, that he's still in control. And Tom has got a lot more wisdom, experiences, and trail stories to share with us next week. So you don't want to miss out on that one. Thank you all again for joining us. And as always, stay fresh.